0: Good, good message and song. All right, take your Bibles tonight, and if you would, uh, let's go to the Old Testament, the book of Numbers, and then also, if you would, please find the book of Joshua. All right, if you'll have both those ready, I'll give you the exact references in just a moment. But uh, grateful for the opportunity to stand and to share the Word. It's a privilege, uh, just period, it's a privilege, all right, because of the Lord's goodness in my life, but also because of, uh, of our pastor. I tell you, I love our pastor. I love his ministry in the Word. He's an amazing preacher, an amazing teacher, and uh, I thank the Lord for his ministry to us. Let me say right out of the gate tonight that you may not agree with what I'm going to say tonight, and that's okay. You're entitled to your ridiculous opinion. (laughs) My pastor used to say that all the time when I was growing up. That was one of his favorite things. He said, you're entitled to your ridiculous opinion, all right? But um, the Christian life is a team sport. God never intended for us as His children to make our journeys solo. I believe that. And I believe the Scriptures strongly affirm this. Now, for example, the simple fact that God gave us the local church, this called out assembly, lets us know that He desires for His people to meet together. Amen? We know that from that. But simply meeting together was not to be the sum total of his children's interactions with each other. We know this because of all the one another's in the New Testament. Now think with me tonight, put your thinking cap on and let's reason together, all right? In the New Testament, among the many one another's that there are, we find these. Exhort one another, edify one another, admonish one another, and even provoke one another. Now, some of us do a good job of that, all right? But that's not the way, that's not, not what it really means, okay? There's another meaning there. It means to incite, to, to arouse to a good thing, okay? Uh, in other words, God wants His children to be involved in each other's spiritual journeys. Now think about that for just a moment. That's a simple statement, but it's, it's profound, I do believe. God wants His children to be involved in each other's spiritual journeys. Now One further passage in Scripture that I believe strongly supports what I'm presenting tonight is found in Ephesians 4, verses 11 through 16. And I'm not going to take the time to read that tonight. You're welcome to look at it and study it a little bit later. But in that passage, Paul says that God gives gifted men to His church as gifts. And those gifted men, the passage says, are to equip the members of the church to do the work of the ministry. Now, that's very important. Our pastor is supposed to equip us to do the work of the ministry, our church leaders. Now, I understand from the flow of the context of Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, that the work of the ministry primarily, though not exclusively, means the edifying of the body of Christ. Because verse 16 finishes up and he says... Here's the, here's the end of it all, he says in verse 16. It's that the body of Christ may edify itself, that it may be built up. So I believe from that passage, God's plan is that every one of us as members of this church are to be involved in, to be, to be involved in ministering to others, in building others up, in provoking others and likewise receiving that from others. There's to be this dynamic, maybe we want to call it body life, all right? New Testament body life. But I believe it's plainly taught in the Word of God that that's God's desire for His people. Now, in the average church, I'm afraid that most people believe that it's primarily their pastor and maybe a handful of Sunday school teachers who are responsible to nourish and develop the spiritual lives of the members of the church. But that is not what we see in the New Testament, all right, And remember I said, you may not agree with me. That's okay. But I think I have a biblical basis for what I'm saying tonight. I really do. So before going any further tonight, I want to ask you two questions. Could I? First, to whom are you regularly ministering in this body of believers? What faces come to your mind when you think of someone or somebody's plural, in this church to whom you are regularly ministering? Now, the second question is this. Who is regularly ministering to you? Have any faces that come to your mind, any names that come to your mind of people who regularly are investing in your spiritual journey? Now, another way of asking it is this, okay? With whom are you making... Your spiritual journey. With whom are you making your spiritual journey? Now, I've shared this with you before. Uh, I've been a very blessed man, a very blessed man in this regard. God has graced my life, and even as far back as when I was a teenager, God graced my life with fellow sojourners who are the real deal. They have a genuine longing and passion for Christ and His kingdom, and those individuals have loved me, they've invested in me, they've exhorted me, they've edified me, they've prayed for me and with me and provoked me in my spiritual journey. And I honestly believe this tonight. I would not be here tonight. I would not be in the ministry if it were not for those people who came alongside me and made my journey with me. That's what I'm talking about tonight. Now, I fear that such relationships like these are tragically missing in the average church. Many times, now listen to this, if you would. Listen very carefully. Many times we as believers are very good at doing church life together, but not so good at doing the Christian life together. Does that make sense? All right, there's a difference. Okay, now I know it's, they're, 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 they're woven together, there, but there is a difference. So again, I'd like to ask you, with whom, with whom are you? making your spiritual journey in this church body. Now, I want to see if I can segue from that introduction into my message, okay? The title of my message tonight is kind of strange. It's three words, me and thee. That's the title of my message, me and thee. I came across those exact words in a passage long ago... And they jumped out at me, and they warmed my heart. They really did. And we're going to look at, look at them a little bit later this evening. Now, in order to get the context, uh, we need to start off in the book of Numbers. So let's go there. I ask you to have your Bibles open there if you would. And we're going to do quite a bit of Scripture reading tonight, okay? And I'm going to read quickly, so you listen quickly, all right, if you would, please. Numbers, let's begin at chapter 13. If you'll have it open, please, there, Numbers 13. We will read a passage, and this is going to be so familiar to many of you, but it's a great rehearsal of things that we have known in the past. It'll be a blessing, I believe, to us in a fresh way if we allow the Lord to make it that. Um, So we're going to start off in numbers. Now, uh, let me briefly set the scene for you before we begin reading the passage. Okay, here it is. It was only two years prior to this that the nation of Israel had experienced God's miraculous deliverance from Egypt. Only two years they had seen God's mighty power. As the book of Numbers opens, they are in the wilderness of Sinai and have just received the law from God. After being at Mount Sinai for about a year, they journeyed to Kadesh at the southern border of the Promised Land, the land that God had promised to His people. Now, let's pick up, please, if you would, Numbers chapter 13 with that little bit of a background. If you have your Bibles, please follow along with me. Verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. Of every tribe of their fathers shall ye send a man, every one a ruler among them. And Moses, by the commandment of the Lord, sent them from the wilderness of Paran. All those men were heads of the children of Israel. Now, jump with me, please, to verse 17. And Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said unto them, Get you up this way southward and go up into the mountain and see the land, what it is, and the people that dwelleth therein, whether they be strong or weak, few or many. And what the land is that they dwell in, whether it be good or bad, and what cities they be that that they dwell in, whether in tents or in strongholds. And what the land is, whether it be fat or lean, whether there be wood therein or not. And be ye of good courage and bring of the fruit of the land. Now, the time was the time of the first ripe grapes. Continuing, verse 21. So they went up and searched the land from the wilderness of Zin unto Rehob, as men came to Hamath. As men come to Hamath. And they ascended by the south and came unto Hebron, where Ahinaman, Shishai, and Talmai, the children of Anak, were. Now, Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. And they came unto the brook of Eskol and cut down from thence a branch with one cluster of grapes. And they it between two upon a staff. And they brought of the pomegranates and of the figs. The place was called the brook Escol because of the cluster of grapes which the children of Israel cut down from thence. And they returned from searching of the land after forty days." And they went and came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel under the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh and brought back word unto them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, We came into the land whether thou sendest us and surely it floweth with milk and honey and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people that be, the people be strong that dwell in the land and the cities are walled and very great and moreover, We saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites and the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And I like this right here, verse 30. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. you got to love this man Caleb, all right? And by the way, his name means... All heart, wholehearted. How appropriate for Caleb, okay, to have that as the meaning for his name. But he sees the people starting to uh, become downcast because of the negative report. And basically, Caleb, I love this. Caleb just speaks up and says, hey, let's roll. Let's roll. Let's go. Let's go right now. Let's continue, please, if you would. Verse 31. But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched in the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of of a great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were... In their sight. Now, let's continue, please, if you would. 14, verse 1. And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron, and the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God we had died in this wilderness. And wherefore hath the Lord brought us unto this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and our children should be a prey? Were it not better for us to return into Egypt? And they said one to another, Let us make a captain. Let us return into Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. And Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes. Uh Uh-huh. Somebody comes alongside Caleb now and his name is Joshua. We're going to see that again. And they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying... The land which we pass through to search it is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, then He will bring us into this land and give it us, a land which floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel not ye against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. Wow. Quite Quite a stand taking place here. But all the congregation bade stone them with stones. I mean... Are you picturing how serious this is, this conflict here? And the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation before all the children of Israel. And the Lord said unto Moses, how long, will this, how, how, excuse me, how long will this people provoke me? And how long will it be ere they believe me for all the signs which I have showed among them? I will smite them with the pestilence and disinherit them and will make of thee a greater nation and mightier than they. And Moses said unto the Lord, Then the Egyptians shall hear it, for thou broughtest up the people in thy might from among them. And they will tell it to the inhabitants of this land, for they have heard that Thou, Lord, art among this people, that Thou, Lord, art seen face to face, and that Thy cloud standeth over them, and that Thou goest before them by daytime in a pillar of a cloud, and in a pillar of fire by night. Now, if Thou shalt kill all this people as one man, then the nations which have heard the fame of Thee will speak, saying, Because the Lord was not able to bring the people into this land, into the land which He sware unto them, therefore He hath slain them in the wilderness. Continuing, and now I beseech thee, let the power of my Lord be great according as thou hast spoken, saying, the Lord is long-suffering and of great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression, and by by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation. Pardon, I beseech thee, Moses talking to his God, the iniquity of this people according to the greatness of thy mercy. And as thou hast forgiven this people from Egypt even until now, And the Lord said, I have pardoned according to thy word. But as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Because all those men which have seen my glory and my miracles which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and have tempted me now these ten times and have not hearkened to my voice, surely they shall not see the land which I swear unto their fathers, neither shall any of them that provoked me see it. But my servant Caleb, oh, I love this statement. Because he had another spirit with him. (laughs) and hath followed me fully. Him will I bring into the land whereinto he went, and his seed shall possess it. Now the Amalekites and the Canaanites dwelt in the valley. Tomorrow turn you and get you into the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea. And the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, How long shall I bear with this evil congregation which murmur against me? I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel which they murmur against me. Say unto them, as truly as I live, saith the Lord, as ye have spoken in my ears, so will I do to you. Your carcasses, verse 29, shall fall in this wilderness. And all that were numbered of you, according to your whole number, from twenty years old and upward, which have murmured against me, doubtless ye shall not come into the land concerning which I, 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 I swear to make you dwell therein, save, here we go, save Caleb the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua the son of Nun. But your little ones, which ye said should be a prey, them will I bring in. And they shall know the land which ye have despised. But as for you, your carcasses, they shall fall in this wilderness. And your children shall wander in the wilderness forty years, and bear your whoredoms until your carcasses be wasted in the wilderness. After the number of the days in which ye searched the land, even forty days, each day for a year, shall, be, shall ye bear your iniquities, even forty years, and ye shall know my breach of promise." I, the Lord, have said, I will surely do it unto all this evil congregation that are gathered together against me. In this wilderness they shall be consumed, and there, shall, and there they shall die. And the men which Moses sent to search the land, who returned and made all their congregation to murmur against him by bringing up a slander upon the land, even those men that did bring up the evil report of the land died by the plague before the Lord. Ten of the twelve spies struck by God. Verse 38, here's two names again. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, which were of the men that went to search the land, lived still. And Moses told these things to all old children of Israel, and all the people mourned greatly. Now we'll stop right there. Caleb and Joshua. Two names that we know well. Two names that uh, have the testimony of having a passion for the Lord and of trusting Him. I hope that you don't think it's too much of a stretch if I say this tonight, but I see in Caleb and Joshua two men who made their spiritual journeys together. Now, a kindred heart, a kindred spirit, a kindred passion for, the, for God and His, His plan. And though they may not have spent a lot of time physically together, they were of one heart, and they made this journey together. They were making this spiritual journey together. Now, how tragic it is that the Lord said, of those 20 years old above, they will die in the wilderness. Someone said it's the longest funeral march in history. Forty years, they will wonder. They did wonder. Now, stay with me, please, if you would. We're going to land here in just a minute, okay? And I'm, like I said, we're reading a lot of Scripture. We're going to fast forward now. Let's go 40 years, approximately 40 years ahead. Still with me? The men who were over 20 years old at Case Barnea have all died in the wilderness. You think about that. They've all died in the wilderness. Now, forgive my imagination here. All right, but, but think about this. I wonder... If Caleb, being the spirited man that he was, being the wholehearted man that he was, I mean, just a very intense, fervent, enthusiastic guy, being the kind of man that he was, I wonder if he went around to those last few men who had to die before he could go into Canaan. I've I've wondered sometimes if he just walked up to them and said, hey, how you feeling today? Are you feeling a little weak, all right? Is, is, are you starting to kind of struggle a little bit? I mean, that man was anxious to get into the promised land. Now, it probably didn't happen that way, but I, that's my crazy imagination, okay, thinking of that. The people of God have entered the promised land. Moses is gone, of course. Here we are 40 years ahead now. And Joshua is their leader. The walls of Jericho have fallen and the conquest has begun. God's chosen people were on site, so to speak. And we're beginning the process of taking into full possession all the land that they've been given by God. It's happening right here. Now we pick up the story in Joshua. Go to Joshua chapter 14. If you would, stay with me, I hope. A lot of reading here, but I want you to see this. Joshua chapter 14, let's go there together if you would. Beginning at verse 1. And these are the countries which the children of Israel inherited in the land of Canaan, which Eleazar, the priest, and Joshua, the son of Nun, and the heads of the fathers of the tribes of the children of Israel, distributed for inheritance to them. Drop down to verse 5. As the Lord commanded Moses, so the children of Israel did, and they divided the land. So the process is now continuing. The conquest of the promised land. Verse 6. Then the children of Judah came unto Joshua. Here we go. Here's one of the tribes now, okay? Here's one of the tribes coming to Joshua, the leader, to receive their inheritance. And you know who's from that tribe, the tribe of Judah? Caleb. And the Bible tells us here, okay, let's go back again and let me get my place. All right. Let's go down to... Verse 6 again, then the children of Judah came unto Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite said unto him. Now listen very carefully. This is what jumped out at me. and I love this. Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God concerning me and thee in Kadesh Barnea. Forty years old was I when Moses the servant of the Lord sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought him word again as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses sware on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance, and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. And, And now, behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as he said, these forty and five years, even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old. I'm now 85, Joshua. As yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day Moses sent me. As my strength was then, even so is my strength now for war, both to go out and to come in. Wow, what a man. Caleb is quite a man. I mean, to be able to say at the age of 85, I'm as strong as I was back when that promise was given to me. You know, some of us nowadays, you know, we, we can relate to this, right? Back when we were young, we'd drop something Well, we'd just stop and bend, up, you know, bend over and pick it up. Now, when we drop something, we stand there and look at it and think, how much do I really need that, right? Do I really want to do this? But that wasn't the case with Caleb. He said, Oh, no, no. I, I'm, I'm just as strong now as I was then. What a man. The Lord blessed him greatly. Verse 12, he continues talking. Therefore, give me this mountain where the Lord spake in that day, for thou heardest in that day how the Anakins were there and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be, the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him and gave unto Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, Hebron, for an inheritance. And we can go on. talks about how he wholly followed the Lord. Now, just to revisit what I read a moment there a moment ago, here comes the tribe of Judah up to their leader, Joshua. And I can just see Caleb Stepping forward, maybe raising his hand and saying, Joshua, could I give a word of testimony? And Joshua says, Yes, sir. And Caleb begins to share a story that gives a very vivid and powerful flashback to Joshua. Joshua knows exactly what he's talking about. When Caleb says, Joshua, you remember on that day, 40 years ago when the Lord made a promise to me and thee. It was us. It was you and me, Joshua. It was just you and me. You remember that, brother? You remember that? And I know he remembered it very, very well. He could recall it perfectly. And Caleb then says, I want that mountain. I want what God has for me. Now, Though it's been many years since that day, Joshua, I just want to say, I still believe that God can do great things, the great things that He said He would. Me and thee. Here's my point tonight. Two men with a kindred spirit and in a sense making their spiritual journey together. There is so much in this story that we could consider tonight. For example, we could consider the blessed testimony of enduring faith, a stirring and relentless zeal to be used by God, the grave seriousness of unbelief, how serious it is, and the amazing power of influence. Well, those, are, those would all be worthy messages for us to, to think about and to hear and to pre, for me to preach. But I want to revisit my introduction and zero in on this as I close tonight, okay? Back to my introduction. Question. Do we have, brother and sister in Christ here tonight, do we have any me and thee relationships in our lives? How about it? Among our closest friends are there individuals with whom we are making our spiritual journey who are living out their faith, who speak freely of the Lord and what He's doing in their lives. Who are willing to step out of their comfort zone for the cause of Christ in his kingdom? If not, if those relationships are not in our lives, are we seeking those relationships? I can't help but think when I read this question: do we have people in our lives who speak freely of the Lord and what he's doing? I never will forget years ago, and my brother is not a critical guy, he never was, and the Lord used him a lot in a great way to see men saved and discipled and grow in the Lord. But I remember years ago, he told me one time, he said, Tim, he said, I walked up to one of the brothers in our church and he said, I just began to share with him what God was doing in my life. And he said, Tim, he said, that man looked back at me like, what planet are you from? And you know, that's tragic, isn't it? It's tragic that God's people would ever be uncomfortable with someone sharing with them what God's doing in their life. It ought not be. It ought not be. There ought to be a vibrant, strong body life taking place in every true church that belongs to Christ. There ought to be. It's New Testament. It was in the New Testament. I think it's set forth for us to follow in that same path. So the question is, do we have any me and thee relationships in our lives? Now, pardon me as a master of the king's English with a couple more questions, okay? But here's the question. Do you want a V in your life? Do you want? Do you want a V in your life? We might think, well, I don't know really to be honest. That's kind of uncomfortable. To be transparent with someone about maybe struggles that I'm having, the fact that I'm not always on top of my game and to let someone see the chinks in my armor, I, that's, that's kind of uncomfortable, Tim, and it is. It is. It, it's much more comfortable. It is because of our human nature. It's, more, it's much more comfortable to wear a mask. It's much more comfortable to never let you see that I have some of the same struggles that you do. It's never comfortable to invite someone into our lives and say, hey, here's an area of my life I'm struggling in. I'd like to ask you to hold me accountable. Every week I give you permission to ask me, Tim, how'd you do this past week in this area? whether it's a sin of commission or a sin of omission, whatever it is. You know, those are are things that I believe the Lord has called us to do for one another in the body of Christ. That's that's that body life that I see in the New Testament. That's that practice of one another's of admonishing one another, exhorting one another. And even James says, confessing your faults one to another. Hebrews 10 says, provoking one another. That's a part of that dynamic that's supposed to be taking place in the body of Christ. Now, that may be uncomfortable, but I think this is true, what I'm getting ready to say. If we don't, if we're not willing to have some people in our lives that speak truth into our lives, we greatly hinder the reality of Christ in our own life and His ministry through us to others. We greatly hinder the reality of Christ in our own lives and the ministry that He'd like to accomplish through us to other people. Why? Because we're not willing to be real. We're not willing to practice the one another's in the New Testament. Here's another question we ought to consider. Think about this. Am I, and again, slaughtering the King's English here, okay, but am I a me that a thee would be drawn to. Does that make sense? Am I a me that a thee would be drawn to? Is there enough reality in my Christian life that someone might want to come alongside of me and make the journey with me? Wow. I did not say that we are perfect But just simply, is there enough reality in our Christian life that others can see it? You see, that statement that I made early on, that we are so much better at doing church life than we are doing the Christian life together. And we can maintain a facade. We all do this. To where everything is great and and there are no issues in my life and my family, we don't have any issues and we keep it that way. And we can maintain that. But the reality of Christ is not going to be there. It's fake. It's shallow. And I tell you, I know this for my own life. I need reality. (laughs) I need someone who's real. You do too. And the Lord intended for us as a body to function that way. Now I know, I realize there are, there, there's wisdom to be had and we pray and we seek the Lord's face about who we could come alongside of and who we would say, yes, please come alongside of me and pour into my life, minister to me. Yes, there is. There's a place for wisdom, absolutely. But I'm saying that more times than not, the church neglects that. More times than not, I'm afraid believers do not practice that of welcoming people into their spiritual journeys and making those journeys together. Maybe you're thinking tonight, Tim, I'm not sure that the challenge you have given to us has a rock-solid foundation in the Word of God, okay? Now, I'm just not sure about this. Could I give you one other passage? And I've ref- I kind of made reference to it already. But Hebrews 10, 24 says this, let us consider one another to provoke one another into love and good works. Now, Listen very carefully. The word consider literally means to observe fully. The idea is I am focused on you and what's going on in your life as a child of God. I'm in tune with with what's taking place in your life. The, The word to consider means to, with the mind attentively fixed on one another. Listen to this contemplating with continual consideration the characters and wants of our brethren so as to render mutual help and counsel. Another commentator said it means this, let us exercise a mutual and watchful regard one toward another. Hey, brothers and sisters in Christ, we all know this. Long before someone stops attending church, there are needs in their life. Long Long before we no longer see them in this building, there are battles that they have fallen prey to. There are struggles that are overwhelming them. There are decisions they've made that have not been good decisions. But here's the question. Are we as a church attentive to the spiritual journeys of one another? Are we following the Lord's admonition in the New Testament and stepping in and loving on people and loving them even with truth when it hurts? Are we willing to do that? I think the Lord has said, I'm calling my people to live this way. Are you ready? Are you willing? Are you willing? I'll close with this tonight. How about if we do this? How about if maybe we're sitting here tonight and say, man, Tim, there's no way. There's no way I'm ready to walk down that road. Then won't you just tell that to the Lord? Won't you just tell him, Lord, I'm not ready to be a, a thee in someone else's life. But Lord, I want to be. Tell the Lord, the Lord, I want to be. I want you to do a work in my heart. I want reality in my journey. You say, Tim, and I have a dear friend in Alabama who told me, Tim, twice, a dear brother in Christ. He said, Tim, twice I have gone to another brother and said, would you please walk with me, hold me accountable. And he said, Tim, neither one of them came through for me. He was discouraged. And that is discouraging. And it does happen. And it will happen. Well, what do we do? We just keep praying and say, Lord, give me someone to make this journey with. Lord, would you bring someone across my path that I can have a kindred spirit with? Their passion is the same passion I have, and that is for the Lord to be real in my life. They have that same desire. So wherever you are tonight spiritually, if you say, Tim, I'm not ready to be a, me, a, a V in someone else's life, just tell that to the Lord. Say, Lord, change me, okay? Lord, make me real. Give me that reality of your presence in my life. And then maybe you're at a place where you just say, Lord, would you please, I need someone in my life. Lord, show me. Bring that person in my life. And then would you been, would, then would you be willing to take that step of courage, of faith, and approach them? Why don't you do that? Why don't you do that? I believe that's the way the body of Christ is supposed to function. Let's pray together, all right? Lord, we thank you for uh, the, the simplicity of your word. And, and yet, Lord, it's very simple to stand here and share these truths, to exhort and to challenge. And yet, Lord, it's another thing to take that step of coming alongside someone and saying, by God's grace, I will invest in your life. I will admonish you. I will pray for and with you. I will share what God's doing in my life. I'll tell you what he's given me in the word. Lord, may we we be willing to be people who follow Christ and his admonition to his church. Lord, I pray for anyone here tonight that Say, Tim, I I could not be that because I do not know Christ as Savior. I've never been born again. I'm visiting tonight. I'm here. I don't know the Lord. But Lord, may they come and speak to one of us and say, hey, please help me. I want to be a part of the body of Christ. I want to be a child of God. Lord, may you do that work in their lives that only you can do. And um, Lord, protect this church, our church. And Lord, as we move forward in the days ahead, I pray that that your reality, your presence will be more and more evident. Not just in our services, Lord. Not just in the singing and in the preaching. But Lord, in the dynamic that takes place among your people. May you, may you do a powerful work in us as a church family and as a church body. Your church, your family, your body. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you folks so much, okay, for your attention, for listening. Brother Harold, I'm going to ask you if you would please to come and And um, lead us in this time of prayer. Thank you for being willing to do that, brother. And then I'll have just a couple of announcements at the very end. And we'll close out, okay?